I want us to look this morning at God's indescribable gift. God's indescribable gift. We're going to be in Corinthians, Revelation, and Galatians. So just find your way to the New Testament, and uh, we'll get there in just a minute. I was in my dorm room in college, and all we had was a one wall phone right around the corner from my dorm room, and I got a call, and it was from my mom and dad. It was my junior year in college, and I got a call from them, and this was what they said. My dad was closing down his business. Uh, He was losing money. Uh, My parents were in bad financial straits at the time, and uh, I had just surrendered to ministry that summer and gone off to a private Baptist school that we could not afford, and God provided and met the need for that, and so picked up the phone, said, hello, and they said, we want to give you something for Christmas. And I said, this is like October. (laughs) And they said, "Uh, you're going to go to Israel for Christmas. And so on December the 28th of 1972, I walked into the Church of the Nativity for the first time. Very elaborate church, has a lot of decorations, a lot of gold and a lot of jewels, And down underneath it is a cave, and on that cave is a circle, and on that circle is a diagram laid out in gold with incense and all kind of things going on uh, to say, this is the spot where Jesus was born. Well, I don't believe that X marks the spot there. Uh, It was a simple end that turned him away, and he went to a stable, to a horse trough, for lack of a better way to describe where Jesus was born, which would have been more outside the city than inside the city. But be that as as it may, to stand in a place and to think, this is the general area where God decided to change human history once and for all, where God made his mark on mankind and to walk out of there and a few days later go to Calvary and go to an empty tomb and then stand on the top of the Mount of Ascension and know that Jesus ascended to the Father but he's coming back down. Christmas took on a whole new meaning for me that year to be in the place where Jesus was born. The lost world has uh, kind of forgotten what Christmas is about. Uh, We listen to Christmas music. Some of us start earlier than others. My daughter Haley starts decorating for Christmas in October. uh, And uh, we buy trees and we get lights and we decorate our houses and we make travel plans and we see family and we pick out gifts and we do all those things. But if we're not careful as the people of God, the way we celebrate Christmas will be no different than the way a lost world celebrates Christmas. It's a token nod to God. Hey, God, thanks for sending your son. And then we get busy consuming. And we get busy buying and going. And we never stop and ponder what it is that God did for us on that day 2,000 years ago. It was an indescribable gift. 
Now, what the lost world doesn't realize is that uh, every day of their life, they're being told about the birth of Christ. Look at this quote from Rick Warren. You may have never realized that every time you check your calendar or refer to a date or write one down, you are using Jesus Christ as your reference point. Because of Jesus, history is divided into B.C. and A.D. Now, the world's trying to change that because they don't want to say in the year of our Lord anymore, but can I just tell you something? We're going to try to change what they try to change. The fact is, whatever year you're in, whatever day you're on, you are in the year of our Lord. He divided history into before Christ and after Christ. He changed everything. He changed everything. So uh, Rick says, before Christ and A.D. in the year of the Lord. Every other event in history and every event on your calendar today is dated by how many days and years it has been since Jesus Christ appeared on earth. We, we just honored the memories of Pearl Harbor a few weeks ago. You realize that if you think about Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor on December the 7th, 1941, was that date removed from the birth of Christ. In a few days, there'll be a recognition of the Battle of the Bulge when many men lost their lives. Some people that were in this church fought in that battle. It will be that many years and days since the birth of Jesus Christ. Nothing is normal about your calendar, whether it's on your day timer, whether it's on your phone, or whether it's a handwritten calendar. Nothing is normal about it. Every day you wake up and you say, what's today? Today is December 18th. 2016, in the year of our Lord. So if somebody asks you the date, you got a chance to witness to them. You know, it's 2016, the year of our Lord. Because the average person doesn't know that. But the reason we have a calendar the way we have a calendar is because Christ came. Now I would say that's a pretty indescribable gift. Anybody ever designed a calendar around you? It's pretty incredible. Now, we give gifts at Christmas, and some are simple, and some are extravagant. Some we remember, some we return. <laughs> some of them are appreciated. Some of them are not so appreciated. Some of them we always remember, and some of them we quickly forget. But God gave an indescribable gift. 2 Corinthians 9.15, Paul says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What does indescribable mean? It's beyond words. Paul is just trying to find a word that will describe that the birth of Christ is beyond words. The message translates 2 Corinthians 9.15, Thank God for this gift, his gift, no language can praise it enough. ESV says his inexpressible gift. CEV, his gift that is too wonderful for words. It's a gift from God. The gift is a person. I love what Warren Wiersbe says. God is a constant giver. 
He gives us life, health, food, family, resources, ability, work and rest, day and night, sun and rain, seasons, friends, guidance, answered prayer, grace and peace and joy. Now, what is it that makes it indescribable? Well, there's no gift that compares to it. You can't buy it. It's a gift that cannot be bought, but it can be received. It's a gift that changes your eternity. It's a gift that changes you from death unto life. It is a gift that changes our perspective. It's a gift that erases our sin debt. It's a gift that provides forgiveness for things that we think are unforgivable. It's a gift that makes us a family. No longer Jews and Gentiles, but all one family. We have 20 nations represented in this church, but we're one family. We may have come from different places and different backgrounds and, and different races and tribes and creeds and tongues, but what makes us one is not the name of Sherwood. What makes us one is we are under a cross on which Jesus died, and at that cross we all become the same. That's an indescribable gift. The United Nations has done a lousy job of trying to get people together. They are ultimate failures. They're the united nothing. But the church has brought nations together and people together that would have been opposed and hated each other and done what no human organization can do in one person, Jesus Christ. Now, the UN just announced that Wonder Woman is not going to be a spokesperson for them anymore. I would submit that if the United Nations really wants this world to have peace, they would bow before the Prince of Peace. And then in every nation, in every tribe, in every tongue, there would be the one person who could bring peace to this world. Now, you just think about it. We're going to hear a great concert tonight. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Our people have worked hard to put all this together. But you think about 2,000 years, books, paintings, movies, songs, and none of them can fully describe who Jesus is. It just gives us a picture, a snapshot of all that Jesus is and of all that God has done for us. It just gives us a picture because I, I love our choir and I love our, our orchestra, but I want to tell you something. Nothing is ever going to top angels showing up and singing glory to God in the highest. I mean, you, you know, it, even the Mormon Tabernacle Choir can't do that. Now, they think they can try. They just need to know Jesus instead of somebody else, but. Can you imagine the best song you've ever heard would have never sounded as good as God dispatching angels to a nowhere place to say God has come and you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sin.
I want to just give you an idea of what that's going to sound like. Turn to Revelation 5. Revelation 5 gives us a picture into the future. John is seeing what's going on in heaven. We get a glimpse of heaven, of the glory of God that's going on in heaven, even now, but ultimately when we're all there and when there's a new heaven and a new earth. But John gets this picture in Revelation 5, verse 11. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And everything created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and in the sea and all things in them, I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. So let's look quickly at the nature of the gift. The nature of the gift is that God gave himself. His son. Galatians chapter 4 says, But when the time arrived that was set by God the Father, God sent his son, born among us of a woman, born under the conditions of the law, so that he might redeem those of us who had been kidnapped by the law. Now here's, here's what Paul is saying in Galatians. You read the law. You read the Ten Commandments. Forget all the laws in America. Forget all the laws that the Pharisees added, just go to the 10. Every one of us have broken those laws. We cannot live up to the law. The law was not given to save us. If I keep all the law, then I'll be saved. The law was given to let us know that we could not save ourselves, that we needed to respond by faith to God who could save us from our sin. We can't keep the law. You've broken the law. You've broken at least one or two this week. You know, coveting? Uh-huh. Yeah. Sent any text messages to anybody about what you want for Christmas? You're coveting it. Hey, uh-huh. Let's go to that. Let's go to that one. Let's not, because i got some things I want. So, uh, <laughs> But God sent his son to break the bondage, to break the sin, and to redeem us by grace, not by law. Now, let me ask you a question. If you know Jesus, are you glad that you don't have to keep the law to be saved? I am. I am. Because I could get it and lose it and get it and lose it and get it and lose it and get it and lose it, and then I wouldn't know if I had it or lost it. But by grace, it covers me a multitude of sins. The name Jesus means Jehovah says. Emmanuel means God with us. God came in the form of Jesus. Full man, full God. A full man who was fully man and a full God who was fully God. And he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Then there's the depth of the gift while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When you didn't even know you needed Christ, he'd already died for you. 
I want you to think about mankind. We, we have people that say, well, you know, man is by nature good. Ask somebody in Aleppo if that's true. Ask, some, ask the 14 people who died because two teenagers set a fire in Gatlinburg if man is basically good. I want to tell you something. Without laws, man is an animal. And the only reason man is good is primarily because he's afraid of getting caught. But man is a sinner. Man is rebellious against God. Man is evil at the core. You say, well, I don't believe that. Mm -hmm. Take a bottle away from a baby. Tell me how that works for you. They'll scream to the top of their lungs. They don't care if there's anybody around. They don't care if it's embarrassing you. They'll get on the floor and kick and scream and squall. Why? Because they want their way. Since you came out of the womb, you've wanted your way. Now, you may not be honest enough to admit it, but I can help you. If you'll admit it, you'll be better off. Because then you'll know where to go to get help. So here's man. Man is rebellious. What did God do? God took our rebellion to the cross. Man is mean-spirited. So what did Jesus do? Jesus said, you love unconditionally. Man is vengeful. What did Jesus do? He said, turn the other cheek. Man refuses to forgive. What did Jesus do on the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't have a clue what they're doing. They don't even understand what they're doing. Man is hateful. And Jesus makes us who were enemies of Christ into friends. That's what God does. In an old sermon from another time, Walter Mayer said this, The great gift of God is granted not to God's friends, but to his enemies. Those who in their sins have risen up against God and declared war on the Almighty to every one of us suffering as we and our world are under the destructive powers of sin, God offers his unspeakable grace. You ever thought of yourself as a forgiven enemy of God? Have you reminded yourself lately as you think about the gifts of Christmas? Have you reminded yourself that when you were an enemy, God gave a love gift to you? His son. And when he said we were to sing, and when we sing a song like we did this morning, Joy to the World, the Lord has come. The joy is not just for those of us who know him and are satisfied with that. The joy is for us to tell the world that the Lord has come. You don't keep joy to yourself. I mean, when you, if you're happy, you don't keep it to yourself. You don't look at your neighbors and go, man, I tell you what, I'm just so full of Jesus, I don't give a rip whether my neighbors know him or not. That's not the way you think. You don't keep joy to yourself. You don't keep happiness to yourself. You share it. How are we going to do that this week? How are we going to say to people that are underpaid and overworked 
that are waiting on you and you're griping about the line and you're griping about this and griping about that. How are you going to be different to say to people that are putting up with people that are not being very nice, fighting over a sweater that will be returned on the 26th? How are you going to say to them, joy to the world, the Lord has come? Now, this is picky. But if somebody says happy holidays, you're going to say Merry Christmas or are you going to be politically correct? I'm not talking about a Jesus juke. I'm not, I'm not talking about trying to be cute. I'm not trying to talk about being unpolitically correct. I'm talking about is the indescribable gift going to be evident in your life this week? Amen. Are you going to show this week that God gave you a gift and you've never gotten over it. Now, I've gotten gifts I've gotten over. There's some gifts I, I never get over. The gift I never get over is Christ. Now, I do have a gift hanging up in my office that I don't, uh, I've not gotten over either. It is a framed pancake pantry menu. Uh, for those of you that don't understand, you just don't understand. You don't know what the second blessing is all about. So, But I want to tell you something. When you get a gift that you don't get over, you don't stop talking about it. And Jesus is a gift we should never get over. And sometimes it's beyond words for us to explain it. But it is an indescribable gift that needs to be shared. And lastly, the impact of the gift the gift changes lives. It's so indescribable that God takes our sin and casts it as far as east is from west. Hebrews 10, 17 says, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Now, have you thought about how good this gift is? The God who knows everything chooses not to remember your sin because it's covered by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He knows everything. He knows every thought you've had. He knows every deed you've done. He knows every willful act of disobedience that you've had. He knows every abuse of grace that you've done. And God, because of Christ, has chosen not to remember. Now, that ought to get an amen out of somebody. I mean, God chooses not to remember. Some of you got parents that still tell you things you did 30 years ago. And some of you got people that will not forgive you. Can I tell you something? The impact of this gift is you have been forgiven. And if somebody's holding something over your head that God's not holding over your head, quit listening to them and start listening to what God says. Because you're listening to the wrong voice. We're justified by Jesus. We were guilty, now we're forgiven. The sentence of sin and death has been removed. We're adopted into the family of God. Now, as, as far as I know, I, as far as I know, I'm an only child. I'm, a, I'm an adopted child. 
But the best adoption I had was not that God put me in a Christian home with a mom and dad who knew Jesus and took me to church. The best adoption I had is when I realized that Christ had adopted me into his family. And so now, I got all kind of family. I've got family around the world. I've got family in towns all over the place. I, I could go to places and I could call somebody and if I needed a place to stay, they'd let me stay there. Why? Because they're family. Not physical family, but because they're spiritual family. You see, there's a difference in being a church where people are friends and being a church where we're family. Say, well, I don't know everybody in this family. Well, I, you probably can't name your third cousins either, but that's okay. <laughs> you might not even want to name your third cousins. I got first cousins I don't want to name. <laughs> but the reality is this body of believers known as Sherwood Baptist Church is a family. When one hurts, we hurt. When one rejoices, we rejoice. When one struggles, we struggle. We don't stand on the side of the road saying, boy, somebody ought to do something about that. We dive in. We engage because we've been adopted into the family. We're children of the king. We are heirs with Christ, Romans 8, 17. If we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We have the Holy Spirit of promise that lives within us. We have a peace that passes all understanding. We have a home in heaven. So let me ask you a question. In the middle of all the business and school getting out and you figuring out where you're going or who's coming here and getting your house ready and the tree decorated and making sure you got a sweater for the dog and all those kind of things. In the middle of all that, have you taken a deep breath and stopped to thank God for his indescribable gift. Let, let me ask you two questions. Number one, have you received the gift? It's freely given. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Have you received the gift of Jesus Christ who came and died for your sin so that you would not have to spend an eternity in hell what good does it to celebrate Christmas if you don't know the Christ who is Christmas it's an empty celebration with meaningless gifts that will mean nothing to you two seconds after you're dead do you know Jesus the second question is for those of you that know Jesus what are you doing with the gift that you've been given? Are you honoring Christ with your life, with your service, with your time, with your money, with your gifts, with your talents? Are you honoring Christ with the gift that he's given you? Or are you going before Christ every day and say, Lord, here's my life. You've given me another day. I give it to you. Use me how you want to use me. Allow me to be a witness for you in this world. Are you using the gift of Christ to bless others?
Do you have the gift? And if you have it, are you using it to honor Christ? Would you pray with me? If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then I want to invite you in just a moment when we stand to just get up from where you are and find your way down and find one of these men who are here and say to them, I need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, everybody Jesus called, he called publicly. When he called people, he said, come to me. When he called people, he said, follow me. Everybody he called, he called publicly. And so I want to ask you today, will you publicly ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior today? People all around this room will, will rejoice with you over that decision. For those of you that are Christians, maybe as you look back over 2016, you don't need to wait another couple of weeks and make some New Year's resolutions. You need to right now think through, have I used this year for the glory of God? On the whole, have I given myself this year to the one who gave himself for me? Have I given him my best, my life, my love, my all? Have I served him like I should? Have I loved him like I should? Have I obeyed him like I should? Have I done what he's asked me to do? Have I, have I taken advantage of the opportunities he's given me to be his witness in this world, to be a gift bearer to give the gift of life to somebody else. And if you need to do that today, then I invite you to come to these altars and just say, Lord, today I give you myself. I give myself to you. So I want to ask, ask us to stand quietly with our heads bowed. I'm going to pray. And then Mark's going to lead us in an invitation. And I don't want you to let singing stand in the way of obeying. If you need to make a decision, don't sing, come. Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus for those who don't know you to be saved today, that your Holy Spirit would speak deep into their heart and that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, I pray for many of us in this room that if we look back over the last year, we've maybe left our first love we've failed to do what you've called us to do it's not about doing it's about being and being leads to doing and if our love for you is right then our living for you will be right so Lord draw to the altar those that need to come to the altar draw down to the front of this room to speak to these men those that need to be saved today for we pray it in Jesus' name.